Hello and welcome to the Riverbed Technical Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Gervasi, and with me today is Brandon Carroll, as usual, and our special guest, Carrie Rogers, connoisseur of only the very finest packets. And in this show uh, today, he's going to help us understand why, when it comes to network visibility and day-to-day troubleshooting, the packets never lie. Carrie, Brandon, good to talk with you guys today. Uh, and I'm looking forward to getting into the weeds of packet captures, how we can use them for network visibility and troubleshooting. So before we get into that, Carrie, please introduce yourself. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background, what you do. Absolutely. Uh, happy to be with, you, be with you today to talk about packets. I think getting into the weeds by definition is packets, or packets by definition is the weeds. Um, so, you know, I've worked at Riverbed a long time, come up in tech support, uh, helping customers solve problems, you know, around WAN optimization. So this is, if you're familiar with, you know, WAN optimization, this is something that sits in line and it touches every packet that mm-hmm. comes, through, comes through the box. And so if it's not working well, if it's broken or things aren't going as fast as we would like, we have to figure out why that is. And I found... Uh, in the course of my career as a you know a, um, a tech support engineer, that being able to look at the packets and understand what the packets are telling me was the fastest way to solve a problem. Uh, and over time, mm-hmm. I got better at it, faster at it. Uh, was able to add some new functionality to Wireshark um, to make it even more useful for us at Riverbed. And that kind of led me into getting into the Wireshark community, uh, attending Sharkfest, and eventually uh, speaking at Sharkfest. Um, and so I've got friends all over the world that, you know, we know each other because of packets and Wireshark. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably why I'm here to talk to you today. Great. So let's jump right in. Uh, Carrie, I've been following you on the socials for a long time now, and it's pretty obvious that you're definitely a nerd when it comes to packet analysis. So I'm really glad that you're here with us. Um, I want to start off by just by asking you just one pointed question. Why should we care about packets? I mean, why do we need to get down to that level for network visibility, troubleshooting, and all that stuff that network engineers do? Sure. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about my experience and why I care about it, but I've also talked to a lot of people about packets. Uh, yep. Actually, okay. when I kind of moved out of you know the the engineering type role and you know made the transition to the dark side of management, I knew I'm not going to be involved in the day to day day to day of this anymore. Um, but I kind of want to keep a hand on the packet analysis thing because it was something that I liked so much, and I was thinking about kicking off a website and you know maybe a YouTube thing. And, you know, I wanted to do some market research, so I went to Reddit and I asked the, the networking subreddit, like, why don't more, in my experience, lots of people, most people, don't really know how to do packet analysis, understand the packets at any kind of significant level. Mm-hmm. So I asked, yeah, it's hard. why don't people, more people know how to do this? And the answers I got back, you know, they varied from, well, I don't really need that level of detail in my job. Like, if I'm going to get in the car and drive it every day, I don't have to test the quality of the gasoline every time I get in the car. That's not that's not mm-hmm. where I operate. Like, that's fair, right? That's not yeah. in your job description or whatever it is. Um, but a lot of folks who, if they're networking, they're like, everyone knows that you need to know the packets. But like you said, it's hard. Where do I start? It's overwhelming. And for mm-hmm. the most part, I've survived. I've gotten by without having to get into those kinds of weeds. 
Um, but, you know, everyone kind of understands that, you know, I, I really should understand how this really works. What does it look like on the wire? I'm a network, a networking professional. Yeah. Um, but then, like you said, many times it's the last thing you turn to. You've tried everything else and like, I yeah. haven't solved this problem. Now I'm going to try the turn to the packets. You know, that mentality of only using it every now and then, you know, it's not, not doing you any favors to getting better at it. So for me, as I mentioned, my life was supporting a complicated network product. And it touched every layer of the stack from the application layer down to the physical. And if I'm having to figure out why it's not working or why it's broken or it's slow, that looking at the packets because it operates on packets for mm -hmm. me was the fastest way to, to get to the, the root cause of the issue. And yeah. if you come to a customer and say, here are the packets, let me read them, let me interpret them for you and tell you what it's saying and this is what we're going to do to fix the problem i you never get like well i don't believe you you know i mean people <laughs> yeah. you come with packets and people are like okay yeah that sure if you say so right. you're the expert uh because yeah, you know yeah. it's software has bugs and uh sometimes what are you, you talking about <laughs> software has bugs what kind of nonsense is that man <laughs> yeah you know so you kind of need to see sometimes that level of detail yeah. to solve the problem it's totally true, though. I don't know if it's true for you, Brandon, but when I was like the first few years of being a network engineer, yeah, yeah you know, throwing Wireshark on and capturing packets was like the last resort. Like I tried everything else. I'll finally do this after a week of the thing being down or working like garbage. But yeah, yeah, you know, after 10 years of, of doing that miserable existence, I, I led with Wireshark uh, or, right. or whatever, you know, method I had at my disposal. So totally, totally get that. What... What exists, though, at the packet level? I get it. It's pure, right? We operate in packets. But what mm. exists at that level that we can't get from, like, other visibility means, like SNMP or, you know, whatever I can pull from flows and things like that? Well, it's you get the packets. You don't get those. <laughs> Thanks. You don't get those with the other things. And that I wraps mean, so, up today's podcast. So. <laughs> you know, yeah. everything else is metadata or some roll-up ah, and aggregation. It's the cliff notes. Right, right. It's the summary all mm -hmm. very useful information depending on what your use case is. You want to mm -hmm. learn what your top talkers on your network are over the last week? You don't want Wireshark for that. Mm -hmm. What are the applications, the protocols, your capacity planning? When you need a higher level of detail, for me, Wireshark is a microscope. It's a surgical tool for a specific use case. And that doesn't mean you throw Wireshark at everything. Right. But there are times when you need to see the packet details. And okay. again, those summarization tools and other protocols, all that's lost to you. That's a really good way to put it. I never never thought it exactly in those terms. So I'm going to steal that, write a blog post, please, not give you any credit, um, and make I'll millions. Take 10%. 10% of nothing? Carry the yeah. zero? Yep. <laughs> Uh, so can you share a story maybe from your troubleshooting days? I know you're in the dark side of management now, mm. but, uh, can you share a story from the troubleshooting days where, you know, uh, going down to the packet level, doing a capture and an analysis mm. of some sort did make sense. Sure. I have, uh, one that was fun to do because for me, I guess I always think about this a lot of like, why do some people take to packet analysis and they learn it, and they get good at it. And other people, it's just like, ugh, you know, like they'll open it up and they'll scroll around and click and go like, well, okay, I see packets, close it. <laughs> right. I, I don't have a great answer other than in the same way that there are people who love to get up and go to the gym. Mm. And that's not me. And I never will be. 
And I think maybe there's just some people, the way their brain works, it's like a puzzle you're trying to figure out. You have clues. And so when I learned that, oh, this is like a, you know, you're, the story is here. If I can just find it, if I can discover it and put the clues together. And then when I solve it, like, you know, that dopamine hit is what drove yeah. me every day is solving the problem. So this is one that, you know, I, I got a huge hit from um, where the problem was, I think, transatlantic, you know, from East Coast to the UK, one direction throughput is fine, but coming the other way, it's terrible, right? So that's a very generic statement. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, you have to get into some of the details. Is it? And this is where it's super key is that um, sometimes the temptation is, hey, this thing is slow. Okay, get me packets and I'll take a look. There's many steps you want to do before you start looking at packets to make your life easier. Uh, we, we can probably talk about what some of those are later. Mm -hmm. But I get the PCAP. And I'm looking at the throughput, and you see, you know, picture perfect, TCP slow start, it ramps up, it's cruising along, and then it just, bang, it stops. And you see uh, retransmission, retransmission, three retransmissions, which should then, if you know TCP, trigger a fast retransmit. You don't see one. It's like, that's weird. And then it just eventually gives up and the, you know, the application closes the connection because it never recovers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at it and I'm going, all right, you know, I'm understanding how TCP works. There should have been a fast retransmit. Um, sorry, it's, you see um, the, the selective acknowledgements, right? So if you have throughput going and a packet gets dropped, the receiver goes, whoa, 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 I missed one. And it uses something called a, many times it uses something called a selective acknowledgement. And when three of those happen in a row for the same missing piece of data, the sender goes, oh, we must have lost one. Let me do a fast retransmit of that. So we saw all these selective acknowledgements coming into the sender, like a thousand of them. And it never, it never retransmitted that bit of data. And that's where it hung up. So I'm going, okay, why is that happening? Only happens... Um, you know, in this direction, um, is, you know, why would it not, if it, if it received these packets, these selective acknowledgements, why wouldn't it retransmit? Mm -hmm. And right. so I have, have both ends and this is key having captures from both ends from the server and the client. And I'm looking at it and my Wireshark profile, I'll just sort of set it up how, you know, depending on the use case. But if I'm focusing on TCP, I always have sequence numbers and acknowledgement numbers in my columns. So I can see those. And as I'm looking at the two captures, I realize the sequence numbers, they don't match. So if, if you know, one side sends sequence number 10, it might show up as 25. But it, no, nobody complained. And I've seen this before, and it's usually a Cisco firewall doing sequence number randomization or whatever okay. it's called. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps track, yep. right? It translates it. It's like a security thing. And it's fine. I've seen it a bunch of times. It works. And so I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Follow it away. And I'm thinking, I can't, you know, like, what, why, would it, why would it ignore all these selective apps? And so I'm walking back from lunch in downtown San Francisco from California Pizza Kitchen on 3rd Street. <laughs> And it's, nice. you know, to take my mind off of it, right? You mm -hmm. know, kind of, I was looking at it and then, you know, go to lunch and walking back 
it just, boom, it hits me. Like all the little things that I've seen all of a sudden come together to form the picture. And I said, okay, we know the Cisco firewall is doing this sequence number thing. We know we have selective acknowledgments, which selective acknowledgments have sequence numbers down in the TCP options. And I said, I bet it's not looking in the, the, the SAC block in the TCP options and it's not fixing the sequence numbers. It's using the original ones. So what that means is the receiver gets this um, selective acknowledgement and you know the, the act numbers, the sequence, num sequence numbers are all what it expects, but it goes down into the TCP option into the SAC block and it's a completely invalid number. It's out of range and it goes, oh, this is screwed up, throw that packet away. Okay. Yep. And so when I got back to the office, I looked, I looked at one and sure enough, that's exactly what was happening, and that's a Cisco bug. It's you know it's it's an old really old version of code, but that was the bug. And so like banging my head again, like why is this happening? And then it just all zoop, coming together in your head, and then like walking into the office, opening the PCAP, and going, yes, that's it. That was very satisfying. Well, Got I I gotta I gotta jump in here and say that I I hope I didn't cause some of those problems for you, Carrie, because I remember in my days of of teaching. Uh, you know, as a trainer, teaching people how to prevent TCP session hijacking by mm. uh, setting up your ASA to do TCP number randomization. So, yeah. you know, it was something that it's, we we pushed. It's the first, I've seen it a bunch. It's the first time I've seen it cause a problem. I think they were just on a really old version of code that had a bug in it. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of my more memorable experiences where, you know, it was uh, it was similar. It wasn't a Cisco firewall. It was sort of a Cisco firewall. It was a Cisco firepower. So that's the same yeah. same thing. Yeah, a very large, very large school district just north of New York City, near where I am. And uh, new, our company put in a big new phone system, uh, Cisco Voice over IP phone system, and it was just never working properly. Main right. cluster in the main data center. Um, you know, clusters other places. But anyway, um, there was always a, a big delay when you pick up the phone and finally you hear dial tone, th different things like that, voice issues. Uh, never figured out what was going on. I fly in like, you know, ha what is it, medevaced in, you know what I mean, as a yeah, network yeah. person because they exhausted all the, the call manager experts and figuring out settings, looking at, you know, uh, were the dial peers weird and, and, you know, DSPs were allocated properly. And it turns out, I'm like, all right, let's just, this is one of those times where I started with uh, with capturing packets and saw that the uh, the source address from return packet, you know, sitting at a desk uh, in administrating an administrator's building, administration building, was the firepower device, and uh, just took about three minutes to do that, and then another three minutes to talk to the security person for the school district, figure out. Yeah, you're you're doing deep packet inspection on you know voice traffic. We need to make an exception or exemption, whatever you want, in the rules, which we did. Instant fix, um, just by looking at you know literally a handful of packets in a very right. short capture. It was so it was so cool. I was totally the hero of the day. <laughs> My story is so less nerdy than yours, though. <laughs> I was, was taking, very nerdy. I, I was I'm, taking I'm, notes. Uh, yeah, I, I debated if it was a good story because it's complicated. And I wasn't sure if I was being clear, but I actually. Oh, yeah. I did a a case study on this a video if in if you know you can check it out if you want to actually see the packets. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So so what are some some packet capture tools out there that you use? Maybe even tell us what some of the pros and cons are, why you'd use one over the other. 
Well, I mean, obviously the bread and butter here is Wireshark if you're looking at the packets. Mm -hmm. right, um, right. That's where I'm going to spend the large majority of the time. However, you've got to get there. So as mm -hmm. I mentioned, Wireshark is a surgical tool. It's a scalpel. You know, it's not, you don't want huge and huge amounts of data. You want to kind of drill down to the problem as best you can and then look at those packets. And so the challenge is finding those packets. Um, so first off, capturing. Like I don't ever fire up Wireshark unless I'm just doing a casual one-off on my own computer, but I don't ever use Wireshark to capture packets. Um, I'm going to use... I think it's dump cap is the underlying command line tool or TCP dump, mm -hmm. right? Right, right. They're, you know, they're faster, they're easier to me um, to, to use, more reliable. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I may use, with Wireshark comes a bunch of little handy of those command line tools like edit cap and merge cap and all these things that you can like do some slicing and dicing, you know, kind of simple stuff, but you can do it. Um, to make things easier. I use T-Shark on the command line a bunch to kind of, mm -hmm. again, get it to where I want it before bringing it into Wireshark. And um, another tool that one of my Wireshark buddies, uh, Jasper, wrote is called Trace Wrangler. It's Windows only because he wrote it for himself and he's a Windows yeah. guy. Um, but it's, one, it does PCAP anonymization, especially when you're collaborating and you, you don't want to let sensitive information out. Mm -hmm. It also does a bunch of... Uh, flexible ways of slicing and dicing big PCAPs into more manageable pieces. So that's, so my workflow is get the, you know, get the data with TCP dump or dump cap, you know, figure out how to slice and dice it usually from the command line if it's a lot of data. And then I'm going into Wireshark and you just sort of rinse and repeat that process. All right. So, so how does a person who's relatively new to networking, maybe working at like a, a help desk as a level two, level three, I don't know. Mm -hmm. How, what would you say to them who aren't necessarily experts in packet analysis, maybe barely familiar with some of these tools, how would they be able to take advantage of the power of packet level visibility? Well, I, you have, to, I mean, there's no way around having a foundation in networking protocols. Okay. How, right. how what what do you expect to see? Now, I, I did not go read the Stevens book before I picked up Wireshark or jumped in at Riverbed. I kind of mm -hmm. had to learn on the job, and so now it's like I look at something and go, I don't know what this means, so I'm going to go Google it, or I'm going to go buy that book, and I'm going to read and figure it out. Um, but you have you do have to have the basics, right? Of IP, TCP, Ethernet, if that's what you're looking at, whatever protocols you know that you care about in your business, you, you need to know the basics of how the protocols work so you can tell if it's doing what it should or it's not but for me again the the most important thing is having a really consistent workflow to get to the point where you start looking at packets the more work you do up front one narrowing down the problem that's asking questions mm -hmm. of the user or whoever's complaining i mean you can you can ask a dozen really good questions about when the problem happens, who it affects, you know, time of day, the number of applications, you know, all those kinds of questions. You really need to spend the time to narrow down the problem from that perspective because it makes your job of capturing good data easier. And right. then we, we talked about some, you know, some workflow for capturing data. But you want to do all those things to where when you finally open Wireshark, it makes your life much easier than opening up a PCAP with 15 million packets and you're like, and you know, 10,000 TCP connections and you don't know 
they don't know where to start looking at yeah. or where yeah. to start. Yeah. So making it easy for you mm-hmm. is the best tip I can give you. And then right. having a, a good, I, I have a little workflow, right? So if I get a PCAP, I go look at TCP conversations. Well, what's in here? How many flows? How many, who's talking? Just to eyeball it. Because sometimes when someone describes a problem and gives me data, I don't know what's in there. Maybe they already did all that work for me and only have one connection to worry about or a handful. Um, so I'm looking at the conversations that are there. And then the also the thing that's really important is to capture the three-way handshake. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they're saying, hey, you know, this is the problem. Well, if it's something that has a, a, a long-running connection or it's a mapped network drive, you know, close the application, disconnect it, then start your capture, then fire up the application, then map the drive. You want to make sure you get the three-way handshake because mm-hmm. there's really good information in there that only exists in the three-way handshake. So start off by really understanding TCP IP. And yeah. so far, other than a couple stories that we had, uh, none of this has to do with any vendor, does it? Uh, it all has to do with vendors because they're the ones that write the code that do TCP and are ah. all quirky. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. But no, you, you're well, right. you're where right. I was going with it was like under, yeah, having yeah. a good foundation of the understanding of how TCP IP works gives you the knowledge to be able to discern, oh, that's not working right and this is yeah. why. But but yeah, totally. I totally no, saw I, your We point have those conversations with vendors yeah. like yeah, going, hey, mm. your box is doing this okay. and the RFC says this and everyone else does this. So you're the only one not playing nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then if I'm collecting a billion packets, you know, and the packets are free, right? I'm getting, I'm mm-hmm. sending them to my whatever device, and I'm collecting them. You know, what, why do we necessarily need other tools, you know, to, you know, what do they accomplish? Right. Well, I mean, like that, learning to interpret the packets is hard and you got to okay. put in your 10,000 hours or whatever. I mean, obviously you don't need that many hours to get proficient, but, you know, uh, you've got to put in the time to learn the skill to do the thing. And so there's a, a couple things here. One, once you do that, there are some problems that are they're just super tedious. And like you, you have the skill, you have the knowledge. It just takes a ton of time to go in and find the thing you need. Um, you know, all the work we've talked about, right? Of getting the data, slicing down the data, and then finding that thing. You have the, the skill and ability to do it, but some tools can do that for you. So time to solution, much faster. Sure, you can do it for yourself and you can do it for free. um, Or you can buy something that will do it for you in a fraction of the time. Okay, so you're talking about the heavy lifting stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it, you know, the intelligence, right? The heavy lifting and the intelligence can be built in where, you know, of course, you have to trust that it's telling you is accurate. But the other side is, as Mm -hmm. I mentioned, like dealing with large amounts of data, even if it doesn't do like, you know, fancy analysis and highlight where you've got some kind of TCP problem, even just, um, you know, loading a large amount of data in something like uh, Packet Analyzer Plus, right, that it can crunch through gigabytes of data super fast. Right. Um, so if you can have a tool that comes up one level higher mm-hmm. and you can feed it a lot of data and then look at some trends and then you can zoom in on one piece and then export that to Wireshark. Because again, Wireshark is... It's a scalpel. It's it's surgical. That makes sense. So yeah. a tool like that can make your workflow in your life quicker, easier, better. Quicker, easier, and better. Yeah, those are three goals for my life for sure. <laughs> I'll just throw something in here. As I as I've heard you talk about this, uh, so so much of of what you've talked about, Carrie, goes back to having an understanding, education, right? I mean, 
I think in this industry, you have to be willing to learn. I mean, it, it, it you know, yeah. you mentioned Reddit earlier before. Um, I think we talked a little bit about that yeah. and, and asking questions out there. Um, and, and today it, it is sometimes I see people asking questions on, you know, how can I pass this cert exam without getting into all these details? And the answer is that, right. that if that's what you're looking for in this, in this industry, you're kind of in the wrong place because, you know, it's, it's just going to make your life harder. But focusing on just gaining an understanding on how these things work, you know, when you do get to that point where you have to pull out the scalpel, right, your cuts are right. going to be clean. And, you know, I mean, you made me think about uh, a time when I had a, um, you know, back in the days when, when there were these applications people would install and they would download things that they weren't supposed to be downloading that they didn't pay for, right? You right. And, and so we would try to, to block that stuff. And I just remember uh, we caught somebody that they had, they had one of these clients and they were downloading stuff and, and we couldn't figure out how they were bypassing our security. And so we ended up starting to look at the packets and what we found is that, that there was a policy set up because this, this organization had a lot of voice and video. And so they set up a policy that said, okay, let's look at the packets. And if you see something marked EF, bypass our our filtering policy and just route it uh, and so yeah. this application was written to markets traffic ef and it was just right past security controls Funny. but until we understood yeah. you know if you don't understand like even that you know qos markers on a uh, in right. packets if you don't understand what these things are used for then it makes it really hard to get that clear picture when you start digging down into these things yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. We we had one uh, big customer. Everywhere was great. Big steelhead customer. I think of oil companies. They're all over the world. And one particular location, like remote in Alaska, so they don't have a lot of bandwidth, which is a great use case for optimization. But it wasn't working. They were getting terrible performance. And so we looked at the PCAP and we saw that once the throughput from the steelhead, because it's optimizing the traffic, and once it goes toward the WAN, uh, sorry, the land side, once the land side traffic reaches a certain throughput, um, it started marking the traffic with a certain QoS value. And the guy had configured his edge to say, if you see this value, drop that traffic, because it's gonna kill our WAN connection. So like, <laughs> our box was doing such a good job, it was keeping the bandwidth where it needed to be on the WAN, but it was tricking it, because the land side was getting you know, 10x throughput. But without the visibility into the you know the QoS headers and the packets and that sort of thing, we were able to fix it pretty quickly. Where they they've been beating their head against it for weeks before talking to us. I admit that I do I do respect that guy Brandon that you were talking about with the uh, whatever site he was trying yeah. to get to. That that is pretty cool. I mean, nefarious activity, yeah. Nonetheless, yeah. security yeah. breach. You know, red yeah. red red flashing lights. But totally respect that guy too. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I, I like this analogy that you that we've been building. I was not expecting that today about using Wireshark and, and packet capture and analysis at that level as a scalpel. So does this mean that this old saying, the packets never lie, I've also heard people say the packets don't lie. Is that really true then, Kerry? Well, for the most part, <laughs> I think, uh, for the most part, I think we can say that with a fair amount of confidence. Um, where it gets tricky is is corner cases, of course, where your capture is not clean or, or the capture process itself injects 
certain thing. Like if you're doing a span, right, mm -hmm. which re yeah. requires on packet processing or, or whoever's receiving the data, if it doesn't timestamp it very well, you know, it does it all in batch timestampings, you're not really getting what's on the wire, but that mm -hmm. comes down to your, your methodology uh, yeah. less about what, you know, the packets are lying or not. Yeah, that's not really the packets there. It's the tool or the method, yeah. exactly like you said. So it doesn't, I, I get what you're saying. So. I think so. I mean, I think so. Yeah. And that's, again, like I said at the beginning, that's been the key for like cooling off a hot situation. Hey, everyone, everyone's pointing fingers. Everyone's like, <laughs> it's, it's the network, which is a whole nother conversation about what is the network or what's not or who owns TCP when if it's a TCP problem, right? But all these fingers are pointing, and if someone just goes, "Look, here are the packets. Here's mm -hmm. what's happening," it just it just it squashes the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, you, you yep. said yep. Uh, packets don't lie, or the packets never lie, but it makes me think that you can lie about the packets. I think it's something like Scappy, right, where you can change the oh, packets, sure. but still, the packet is the packet. Whatever yeah. it sends is the packet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. pure. I did a uh, fun little thing one time uh, where I, in a previous job, I was trying to build a use case for uh, to get an actual firewall instead of just using router ACLs. And I, hmm. I demonstrated that you can get around these pretty easy because it's just looking for a send. If you do the TCP established, it's just mm -hmm. looking for a send flag. And so, like, if you look on the wire, what's happening? Because I would, as the packet left my server, I would switch the send to a reset, and so that would get through the firewall. And then on the other side, my receiver would switch it back to ascend, and it would be fine. But on the on the wire, the three-way handshake looked like reset, reset, ack, ack. It's like, what in the world is that? Yep, yep. That's that's not many people are probably doing that sort of thing. But you were doing it as a good guy. You weren't trying to I get around fire. I was doing it as a good guy. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, that's what we say. But anyway, guys, this was very interesting. I really liked getting to the weeds on packet captures, packet analysis. This is stuff that's near and dear to my heart, too, just because, you know, I remember, you know, working on my CCNA and firing up Wireshark on a Friday night while my wife is like, come on, let's go do something. And I'm like, no, no, I'm looking at packets. <laughs> and then I came across my first encrypted packet. and I'm like, but it's empty. I can't see anything. It's just a white screen. So, you know, interesting <laughs> stuff to me, you know, and, and that transition I remember in my own career when I went from last resort to let's start with this. That was. Yeah. I was enlightening, you know. So any case, in any case, Carrie, I'm really glad that you were with us today. Uh, why don't we go around real quick? Um, just, Carrie, how can we, we find you online? Um, so the best way to get a hold of me is probably um, uh, packetbomb.com is my website. You can email me, Carrie at packetbomb.com. So people email me. That's where I get case studies. And if it works out, I, I can make a video about it. Mm -hmm. I am on Twitter, but honestly, I don't look at Twitter that much. So email is probably the best way, I think, for my website for Packet Bomb. Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. And uh, Brandon, always a pleasure. Uh, how can folks uh, yep, yep. find you online? Yeah, I, I have the same sentiment about Twitter. You can find me there at, at Brandon Carroll, but uh, <laughs> it's really hard just to get through it anymore right, these days. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still maintain BrandonJCarroll.com, believe it or not, with the when you, what do you mean you just maintain it? Is there anything going on there? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I just curate stuff I do around yeah, places. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. But, uh, and, and of course, you know what? We're getting kind of active on uh, community.riverbed.com, too. Yeah. So yeah, it's coming we, up. We can have some conversations there. Exciting. Yeah. Looking forward to that. 
And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm kind of active still. Network underscore Phil, my, uh, my website, networkphil.com. Uh, you could just throw my name into LinkedIn. I'm there as well. Gentlemen, it's been fun talking about packets, getting into the weeds. Uh, until next time, see you later.